You're with Ayanda Ali Payne. Well, it is officially Youth Month, dear friends, and uh, we want to take a little bit of time just to celebrate the young people of our country who are doing well. Uh, we start off the month by hearing from a lady who has been chosen by Cyril Ramaphosa, our very own head of state, to address one of the country's most successful and famous choirs. Now, Didi Romagero was appointed as the new designer for Grammy award-winning gospel group Soweto Gospel Choir a few months ago. The song that you've just heard there just uh, I think is in celebration of everything that Didero is hoping to achieve, right? The song by Yanga featuring the Soweto Gospel Choir and Amanda Black is called Promised Land and I think the promised land for many of us is one where there is political, economic and psychosocial freedom, right? Where you are able to express yourself and uh, live your dream and achieve achieve everything that you were destined for. Now, they say that if you want to uh, do something in life that is great, you must do something that you love, right? And when you do something that you love, you never have to work a day in your life. Now, imagine turning your passion into profit. You'd be able to maintain the lifestyle that you want. You'd be able to express yourself to keep the passion alive. You'll share it with people and, of course, make that money. And it sounds uh, like the best case scenario, doesn't it? The combination is just, yeah, the promise lad. Didiro managed to achieve that somewhat, but as you can imagine, the road to dressing one of the country's best choirs may not have been an easy one. Uh, she was a student with a passion for creating a South African aesthetic with a fusion of animal, landscape and spirituality. So uh, it is quite a unique combination there. Let's find out what it was all about and how she managed to achieve that. How she managed to graduate from the Swana University of Technology in 2017 with a degree in fashion and textile design and then capture the attention of of the country. She joins us now on the line uh, to tell us about turning your creativity and passion into a viable business. Didiro, a very good afternoon Hello. to you. How are you? Very well, thanks, Indisal. I'm very well, thank you. You know, Didiro, I was having this conversation with Vanessa, my producer, and she was trying to explain it to me, but I think you'd be better yes. off explaining it. So when we say you were chosen by President Sil Ramaphosa as uh, someone who needs to dress Soweto Gospel Choir, I thought to myself, oh, President, don't get nappy, Explain to me or give me some context uh, when it comes to that. Well, you know, when the Department of Arts and Culture decided that they wanted to gift um, the Soweto Gospel Choir something that would go with them everywhere all over the world where they perform, they thought of someone who who had been actively working in the industry, in theater, in parts of fashion, textile design, and that was me. Um, I did design in Daba in 2017 through the Arts Department of Arts and Culture, and that's where I was initially spotted. So it's pretty much been a few years of grooming uh, up to a point where I'm ready to work Hmm. on, on a project of this scale. And when you were selected, you had a whole head of state in the room giving his nod of approval. Yes. How does that feel? Yes. It was surreal. It, it, it's, it's a surreal experience every day. I think of um, all the hours that I've spent slaving away and how it all just becomes something that looks so easy mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the eye of the world, mm-hmm. you know, because then backstage there's a lot of drama, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot yeah. of uh, struggle to get to a point where you can be 
noticed and, and really recognized for what you do. And I think therein lies the secret because we, we often celebrate, right, um, top achievement, you know, the, the, the mountaintop experiences. But mm. very rarely do we look at the valley low. And that for me is my favorite part because that really will get us out of the slump by listening to you and hearing your story. Wherever I am, if I hear of your low points, it gives me permission to dream and it gives me, um, you know, the hope that I can also make it. So tell me a little bit about your journey and perhaps some of those moments where you thought, ah, let me just go and give up eh, and get a regular desk job and sit in front of a computer and type. (laughs) Tell me about that. (laughs) I've I've had so many of those low points. Uh, One that always stands out is when I failed my second year in fashion design. And when you fail at university, it's not like failing uh, at high school and you sort of just start again in the new year. You have to pick up all kinds of subjects in the new year. You have to uh, so that's what I had to do. I had to start again, reformat my life, gain perspective, have a solid vision. Because what happens in university is that you almost completely lose it, especially in that first year. It's so exciting. You've got all this freedom. And then all of a sudden you spiral out of control. And I know it's not uh, the case for a lot of people, but people like me who are artists, we go through a very different journey as, as far as academics are concerned. Um, when I finished my fashion diploma, I then decided to do my textile diploma. And I thought that was not punishment enough because I could have just gone and done a business degree or something that would help me really sustain my business. I didn't realize that I was actually opening up another can of worms mm. because then the textile, uh, the textile design industry is another, is another world on its own. And uh, balancing the, 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 the two and creating an aesthetic that really speaks um, of uh, like resonates with who I am and where I come from. Um, yeah, that has been actually the pain and the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Pain uh, and growth. And what kept you going? So what, what gave you that, you know, the wherewithal to say, I think I'm on the right track, I must keep going? First of all, God. Mm-hmm. Um, my life has always been just... Uh, a testament of grace, his grace in my life. And that then goes into how my family is structured and how they understand and support everything that I do, and they've always done so, and even the kind of friends that I have around me. So just that circle of influence in my mm-hmm. life is very refined, uh, and that's how I've managed to just keep going mm-hmm. and keep my head up, yeah. Was it always going to be fashion for you? Interestingly, no. Um, I went down a few paths. I wanted to be a social worker, a psychologist, a financial advisor at Rand Merchant Bank. And then eventually, my mom says to me, just do fashion because you've always done it. And that's the one thing you truly love. Mm. And I didn't even think of it like that because... Because fashion is something or design has always been in my family, I've, I've done it since a very young age. I didn't think of it as a career choice. I thought of it more, I was actually the one who thought of it more as a hobby as opposed to um, what most parents would say uh, about design mm. careers. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yes, yes, yeah. continue, continue. Sis. Mm, yeah, so deciding to do then the fashion diploma was primarily to get it done. And then stumbling upon a whole lot of other things that um, inspired me to grow even further into the industry. 
Yeah. And then, of course, there's always the difference between pursuing something as a hobby where you derive much joy and pleasure from it. And it's a release and an outlet for your creativity, Mm -hmm. you know, and and then when you have to do it as a business, you know, it's not just you being whimsical and putting something together. Mm -hmm. You have to think about the market. You have to think about um, the costs. You have to think about scale and you think about where to distribute the thing and the the store you know and the layout and all those things tell me a little bit about that transition and all those things can sap the very creativity out of you (laughs) tell me a little bit about the transition um so with me the 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 one lovely thing i've always had is a dad who is very business-minded so from the get-go he made me realize or he made sure that i understood that fashion or design is not a a fun industry i would Mm. have to make it sustainable and that's been the journey now, making something out of nothing, coming from a family that, that no one has actually become a designer, you don't have a lot of reference. So that's where I found myself doing all kinds of courses mm. to just have that uh, business background um, so that I, I'm able to make those, those right decisions for my business because it is a business at the end of the day. It is solely dependent on how you develop. Mm. So if you don't develop then your business stays the same way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that business model now. Uh, we, we know of your work with the Soweto Gospel Choir. How else mm. do you distribute your merchandise? Is it online? Is it a uh, um, uh, shop floor? Uh, how do people access you? Is it by order? Do you mass produce? How does it work? Right now, I'm working on my first retail clothing collection, which mm. will be out in the summer. Um, previous years, I've done trade shows, all of which have worked uh, to a great advantage because then in doing trade shows, I've been able to expose my name without really taking that big risk of going straight into retail mm. and having to do all the backpedaling of marketing while your products are sitting on the shelf. Mm. So the, the, the trade show platforms have actually allowed me the the space and the, the creativity to just explore how my business can develop. I've done textile. I do textile uh, panels, which are used for interiors. I do scatter cushions. I do. I make clothing, but very much made-to-order things. Mm-hmm. I then also have a clothing upcycling service, which I also then integrate a lot of the textile components into uh, more like a more of a sustainable fashion business model. Mm-hmm. So it's very broad, but at the core of it is just fashion and textile. Yeah, yeah. And what has been the most difficult part of your business? So running a business um, 101, what has been the most difficult? And then on the other side, what has been the most rewarding? The most difficult has truly been um, taking risks. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of us take for granted, you know, when someone says, just take a risk. You you don't really want to take a risk if you don't know if it's going to be financially sound. So I've taken a lot of risks. I've lost a lot of money over the years. And that has been at the cost of, you know, my social life and <laughs> traveling to Barbados, uh, yeah, things <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yes, mostly a financial um 
Hmm. And I think, you know, the the, 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 the danger about, uh, you know, being risk averse then is that you never know when, mm-hmm. um, when you know, that, that next risk that you were going to take, you know, would bring you the greatest reward. So you yes. have to develop a thick skin. And even when you lose, you get up and still continue to take risks because sometimes the greater the risk, the greater the reward. That's true. Mm. That is very true. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Mm-hmm. And, and the upside, we haven't spoken about that. What has been the most uh, exciting, most rewarding thing about being an entrepreneur? A sense of ownership. Mm. I mean, I walk in the street and I have no sense of questioning what my, dire- my direction is. It feels so rewarding to just know that I've started something that my great, 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 great grandchildren will benefit from and that that for me is actually the greatest it's been the greatest reward especially coming into it and acknowledging it because for for the most part in the entrepreneurial journey i think in the first few years you just feel like what you're doing is not feasible you're wasting mm-hmm. your time you should just go get a job and call it quit so coming out of that mindset and then having that legacy mindset right that, oof, Yes, yeah, that's yeah. liberating. You, you know, um, as an entrepreneur, I would always sort of explain that to myself because you're right, you have to do a lot of self-talk, you know, and, and change your mindset. <laughs> yeah. I'd always say that the taller the building, the deeper the foundation, you know. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to build something that's a skyscraper, mm-hmm. I need to go down first and dig and lay a long and thick and wide and yeah. solid foundation. Yeah. And those are the years that are the scariest because you're like, yo, is this mm. thing still working? Am I still, you know, going in the right direction? What's going on, you know? But you have yes. to really lay those foundations. Going out there to the trade shows, knowing what people want from you, uh, what are those crowd favorites? That's your research, you know? That's you yes. laying that thick foundation. And the day when you start to build, you know, uh, above the, the surface and people say, oh, okay, this is what she's doing, then you can shoot high, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right, we continue our talk in just a moment. When we come back, I want to know what's the plan going forward. You know, what's the ultimate? And and also the question of how old you are, because you sound terribly young, but you're, you're quite experienced and knowledgeable as well. It would be lovely to hear, uh, you know, what age group we're dealing with now that we're talking about youth and youth in business and youth in entrepreneurship. It is 11 minutes to two. SAFM. Prime time all day long. You're listening to Life Happens on SAFM, and it's time for us to turn our attention to our life economics section. That's where life meets economics, all things business, finance, and entrepreneurship as they relate to you as an individual. It is Youth Month, and so we are taking uh, some time out to celebrate young people who are making money, uh, making a difference, and uh, doing things that make us all proud, right? Uh, Didi Mashiro is uh, our entrepreneur today. She's a designer extraordinaire, and she's been taking us through her journey, uh, how she graduated from the Tswana University of Technology in 2017 with a degree in fashion and uh, textile design, how uh, she was uh, handpicked to dress the Soweto Gospel Choir uh, with uh, President uh, Cyril Ramaphosa in the room, how she's gone on to uh, display her work at the design in Daba and just do glorious things. Of course, there's some challenges in the midst of that as well, right? Not all things are uh, fun and daisy and just all good in entrepreneurship. You get an ebb and a flow. There's a high and there's a low. But in this particular segment, before we wrap up, I'd like to find out how old are you? You know, we're busy saying young people, youth, entrepreneurship. (laughs) You sound very young, but very wise. 
I am 29 in August. Sure. Um, on the 28th, on the 23rd. My goodness. And how long have you been running your business? Since 2014. Uh-huh. And how old were you at that stage? I was 24. Wow. That's when I decided uh, not to then get a job and start my own business, register and sit down and do it myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's the ultimate goal? You know, when you sit down and you close your eyes and you say, you know, as this young entrepreneur, um, years go by, I'm getting older. Um, but in 10 years time, this is what I want to have achieved. What is that this? In 10 years, I would love to have seen Sarati just being a sustainable business that creates employment and empowers young people and women to really invest in themselves, invest in their country and their, like their GDP as in textile, fiber processing, the entire value chain of the fashion industry being completely uplifted. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I think this is where your, your element of uh, wanting to be a social worker comes to the fore, ne? that uh, activism yes. must come to the fore, because the textile industry is going through a lot as well. And some mm-hmm. are, are questioning how lucrative a business it is and whether or not, um, you know, it's being submerged somewhat by uh, the imports that we're getting from countries such as China. So in your opinion, is there still a future for the industry in South Africa? And if so, you know, what needs to to to, to be changed in order to make it even more sustainable and successful? From what I've seen, the biggest problem is that young designers or designers in the industry don't necessarily invest a lot in the quality that speaks to the actual country that you're, you're selling from. You see a lot of, for instance, in parts of Africa, West Africa, there are woven cloths, batik dye fabrics, and they still use those fabrics in their everyday or even um, high-class clothing. Mm. In South Africa, we don't have that. But what we do have is a lot of beadwork and high-craft uh, products that can work beautifully in the luxury market. Mm. And we don't. See, I don't see a lot of other young people right now really pursuing that. I know there's Tabo who's doing an excellent job at really reinventing the Basoto blanket yes. and putting it up there in the, uh-huh. in the luxury uh-huh. market as well as Makosa. And that's what I'm really talking about, that luxury, that sense of identity and heritage that South Africa really should be known for is not yet coming to the fore. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And how do we change that? We change that by going back and looking at what tools we used to use as far as textiles. Um, how our ancestors dressed and we reinvent those things with the materials that we have now. I understand that uh, natural fibers, organic textiles, very, very expensive and they're completely unreasonable. But uh, what I know is when there's 100 people who want something, mm. the price does drop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's also about creating that demand amongst ourselves as designers to really just we all should be buying local, yeah. truly, truly, truly. Yep. Not just the consumer, but me as a designer, I'm also a consumer. I consume textiles. So how am I consuming textiles? Because that mm-hmm. thing educates my consumer um, as to the origins of the textiles and why it's important to invest in garments that are made 
completely made in in South Africa. Yeah, yeah. and it would bode well for all of us, in fact, to do mm. that. We have to be deliberate. Mm. Everybody, yeah. no one would starve. Right. Sis, yeah. where do we get a hold of you? For those who are listening who are saying, oh, I'd like to have my garment designed by her or perhaps I'm looking to uh, reupholster or uh, to uh, sort of repurpose things or I'm looking to upgrade uh, my accommodation and I'm looking for scatter cushions and all of those things. How do they get a hold of you? Um, you can call me on 076-325-1161. I'm based in Pretoria West. And if you want to contact me or get a hold of me, just call on that number and then we can schedule an appointment. Awesome. I'm also, yes, I'm also on Instagram uh, as Sarati LTD. Spell that for me, please. Sarati, S-E-R-A-T-I LTD. Awesome. So that's how we find you on the social media platforms, Sarati LTD, and on your mobile, 076 325 1161. Yes, and then also <laughs> there's a website, mm-hmm. uh, www.saratiltd.co.za. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time, sis, and all the best My going forward. Pleasure. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. You see, dreams do come true, wishes do come true. Takes a lot of hard work, though. It's not as uh, easy as blinking, closing your eyes, making a wish, maybe rubbing a lamp and a genie pops out and uh, grants your wish. Nope, it's about a lot of blood, sweat and tears, but it is possible. Speaking about wishes, let's hear what the little E's have to say about what do they wish for? What do they hope for? What are their dreams and aspirations?